So I had to move clients the week that I was really sick, but I had nowhere to move them to because all the other weeks were really full. And so I was like, I don't want to be the bottleneck in this business because, you know, people told me, well, have a wait list. Well, sure, I can have a wait list, but sometimes people get a great opportunity to go give a presentation and they don't have three months to wait. When it comes to small business, there are plenty of special snowflakes out there. And before I inadvertently offend you, let me explain what I mean. A special snowflake business is one that's focused on the unique talents of the owner. It's the only you can do what you do mantra so many fluffy business classes preach. When you have a special snowflake business, customers buy to get a piece of you. They want what you can do for them. Look, some people genuinely like it that way. Cool. But special snowflake businesses don't scale. Oprah is truly special, but she didn't create a culture-shifting television show, her own entertainment network, and O Magazine by being a special snowflake. Oprah figured out her special sauce and channeled that into all sorts of ventures that grew the capacity of her work and impact beyond her own personal capacity. Working out the recipe to your own special sauce is a key to crafting a company that scales. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow a small business today. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Now, when many small business owners start thinking about growth, they think about all the tasks they don't like to do and outsource them. The dream is to be left with only the task of making the product or delivering the service that you love. Regardless of whether you ever reach the point of living that dream, eventually you're at capacity and stuck at a ceiling again. If you want to really scale, you have to be willing to train other people to create value for you and for your customers. You need to get others in on the game of making the product or delivering the service. That's the plan Carol Cox devised. Carol is the founder of Speaking Your Brand, a speech coaching agency that helps women entrepreneurs and executives craft their signature talks. I wanted to ask Carol how she worked out the recipe to her own special sauce so she could start training the first speech coach she brought on board. Carol and I talk about the time and energy she put into working with clients one-on-one, paying attention to exactly how she worked her magic. We also chat about how she knew it was time to hire, what have been her biggest fears throughout the process, and how her mindset about the business she's building has shifted. Now, let's find out what works for Carol Cox. Carol Cox, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Tara, I am thrilled to be here. I've been been a big fan of your podcast and its various iterations for the, the however long you've had it and has been following you probably for, gosh, maybe four or five years now. Awesome. Well, I have loved getting to know you and I'm going to love getting to know you even more on the show today. And I'm so excited that you are part of our conversation about scale um, because I think the way you're scaling your business is one that more and more and more people should think about. Um, and I know that it's scary for a lot of people. So I hope that we can kind of shed some light on some of the scarier parts and help people understand how you've got your head around it and kind of some of the systems and processes you're putting in place to make it work for you. And for the future of your business. But let's kind of start back at the beginning because you're not just 
Carol Cox, founder of Speaking Your Brand. You are a serial entrepreneur. Um, so I'm curious what led you to actually start building Speaking Your Brand when you've done lots of other things in the past. Yes. And it's funny. I never, when I was in high school and college, I never envisioned myself as an entrepreneur. So this is, it's, it's interesting that now I have, have had three businesses over the past almost 20 years now. So I, so my first two businesses were with my husband. He got started as a computer programmer, software developer back about 20 years ago. And so I was actually in grad school at the time, getting my PhD in history so again, not, cool. not right, going to be in academia, not really an entrepreneur, but I liked the autonomy and flexibility that academia provided, which is why I think I liked entrepreneurship. So that's, I think that's the relationship there. So he was in technology and then you know, during the summers, I didn't take classes. So he said, Carol, why don't you help me with my software projects? Because, you know, he had a lot of them going on. And I, being the avid learner that I am, I said, sure, I'll learn it. <laughs> never realized that it, I would eventually uh, be going into that as my full-time profession. So we started two, uh, our first technology company. We built applications for companies like Office Depot and Lowe's. So this is literally at the time where if you knew how to code, they would like pick you off the street, didn't matter, <laughs> and say, okay, go figure it out, like build our entire internet system, which is what we did for all wow. their stores nationwide. This was about 2001, 2002. And so we, we just learned and we did it and we kept evolving and iterating. So we did that company for a while and then we built political software because I was involved in politics mm -hmm. at the time. So we were one of the first integrated systems that was built nationwide for that. And so, but then about 2012, 2013, I just got burnt out on the coding. So I was doing most of the coding myself. And this is an, a lesson I learned going into now of this the new business. And I was just burnt out. I just wanted to go back to working with people and not just working with code all the time. So I started thinking, what is another business that I could create that where there's a need in the marketplace, I could take the skills and interests that I have, things that I enjoy doing and that I'm good at and, and do that. So I knew I didn't want to be a general business coach, even though I could have been because I knew mm -hmm. the, the power of picking a niche to focus on. So I decided to pick public speaking and speaking your brand was born. Wonderful. That's awesome. What was your initial vision for the company when you were like, okay, speaking your brand is a thing. I'm going to help people become better speakers. What did you envision that company looking like? So this was 2014, early 2015, and online courses were all the rage back then. Mm -hmm. And they still are nowadays, but people it's become very saturated now, four or five years later. But back then, everyone was doing it. So that was my initial idea. I was going to create an online course for speaking your brand and, and offer that and do it. And probably some still some high touch with it, but that was going to be the premise of it. But then what ended up happening is that my very first kind of paying client was an organization here in Orlando, Florida, where I live that I knew. So we did a joint workshop together. And then so I got paid for that. And then I started getting one on one coaching clients. And from that, and from other groups that I was in. So I never actually ended up creating the course because the one on one work I really enjoyed. And it was right there in front of me. Yeah. What is it that you like about one on one work so much? Oh, I love, I am fascinated with people. This is why I majored in history and why I loved history. I love learning about people and their ideas and what they, how they grew up and what they love doing and just cultures and everything. So I love getting to know people. And then I love the, the moments where they see all of what's been in their head 
put together in a way that's structured and that they can literally see it on the poster board. Well, I know we're going to talk about my process in a little bit, but they can see it and they, they have never had that clarity before in what it is that they do. And I think it's that, that sense of satisfaction of helping them get there. And I, I'm a big believer that one-on-one work is the fastest way to do that for people. I love that. Well, let's go ahead and talk about your process now, because I think that actually might help us set the stage for now how you're scaling this high-touch business. So when you're, can you, yeah, can you just walk us through the process of working with a client one-on-one to help them improve their speech and their speaking? Sure. So our most popular offer is what we call a VIP day. So we do it on Zoom video and it's about a three, three and a half hour process. So we sit down together on Zoom and I have this poster board, you know, a white poster board. And so my, the framework that I've developed after working with, oh gosh, at least a hundred clients in the, in the first couple of years. So when I first started, I didn't have a process or a framework. I knew how to create speeches and presentations for myself. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was good at it because I always got great feedback from people. But then I had to figure out how do I do this for other people? So that was, it was an evolution of figuring out, oh, what are the questions I keep asking all of my clients? What is the information I keep needing to get from them to get to the end result that I know we need to get there? So after doing that for about a year, year and a half, I saw the the framework, the commonalities emerge from there. So the framework I've created is based on three-act story structure, because we know that's how humans process and remember information is through uh, story arc combined with the hero's journey, but very much infused with marketing and sales expertise, because that's, I have such a background in marketing and sales, because most of my clients are coming to me because they want lead generation presentations. Mm -hmm. They're going to conferences, they're going to business groups, they're going to networking groups, and they're doing presentations for lead generation. So that's one segment. I would say that's about two thirds of our clients. And the other one third of our clients are people who are doing keynotes and TED Talks. So that's kind of a different, but the process, the framework is the same. So the, so I have this poster board that's divided into the three acts and then there's post different color post-it notes, four colors <laughs> that mean different things. And so as we're asking questions to the clients in this VIP day, we start with what is their offer? What do they sell? Who is their, who is their ideal client? What is the client's goal? What are the obstacles to getting to the goal? What information do they need to make a decision? What's your solution? What's your unique approach? So we've sussed all of that out Mm -hmm. into this visual mapping on the poster board. And that's where they get that aha moment of, oh, now I literally see my entire business on a single canvas. I love it. I love how like literally physical the process is. Because I think that a lot of people, when they try and figure out, you know, what is the framework that I use to help clients? What's my special sauce? Like it still feels really conceptual. And what you've just described to us is the opposite of conceptual. It is literal. It is on paper or poster board. (laughs) It's post-it notes. It's different colors. And there is something so clear. There's something so clear and straightforward about that, that you can represent your framework in that way. Was it difficult for you to move from something more conceptual to that kind of more literal framework? Or did that come really naturally to you? It came really naturally. And I and once I saw how it could be very tangible, that was a huge aha moment for me. And it 
it has helped my, not only the clients see it, but also in this in sales perspective mm-hmm. clients, when I can show them that this is the end result that Ugh. they get, then they understand what they're buying. And, it, and then, because, you know, as, especially with things like coaching and consulting, it can feel very amorphous. It's hard to grab onto what exactly am I buying? What are we going to be sitting doing for three or four hours? Are we just going to be talking? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what a co- co- coaching can feel like. So really kind of what we do is a blend of coaching and consulting in the sense that the, the clients do end up with something specific at the end. It's not just, and obviously mindset issues and confidence issues with public speaking come into the work that we do, but they, they end up with that very tangible product. Awesome. Okay. So I'm sure there was, there was probably somewhat of an aha moment here too around how you could then further scale this idea. Because if you're working one-on-one in high-touch coaching and consulting services, there's naturally that limit to how many clients you, you yourself can actually work with. So what are you doing today to expand your capacity as a business? Yeah, so this has been a challenge and and this was a challenge in my technology businesses as well. And so this is and so really it was last year 2018 when it was I had to do a I did a lot of mindset work on myself in 2018 and really thinking about my role in the business, what this business was going to look like. And there I, it got to the point where so throughout 2018 I was at capacity. My calendar was full. I love doing the work, but I had no white space. There was no downtime. Plus, I'm I'm creating my own podcast. So I was working on that on the weekends because I wanted to, you know, continue to that. I love podcasting. So it was just, it was a lot. I was definitely at capacity. I got the flu mm. in early 2018. And the problem with that, and I rarely get sick, is that my calendar was booked. Yeah. So I had to move clients the week that I was really sick, but I had nowhere to move them to because all the other weeks were really full. And so I was like, I don't want to be the bottleneck in this business because, you know, people told me, well, have a wait list. Well, sure, I can have a wait list, but sometimes people get a great opportunity to go give a presentation and they don't have three months to wait. And I want to be able to provide a service to them. You know, people said, well, raise your prices. So I've raised my prices a little bit, but there's also a particular market that I'm very passionate about helping women entrepreneurs who have been in business two to five years. And I know there's a price point they're comfortable with. So I didn't want to outprice myself for them. So I knew that that I, I couldn't, the business could no longer be just about me servicing the clients. So I had already, I had a podcast editor. I had a virtual assistant to take off those types of things from my plate, but that still didn't give me someone to work with clients. So I decided I need to bring on, I had to bring on another coach to do that. And it really took me all of 2018 to wrap my head around how that was going to happen. After a quick break, we'll find out how Carol realized she needed to bring on another coach to increase the capacity of her business. But first, I want to tell you a bit more about the What Works Network. I started the What Works Network because I was tired of smart small business owners like you getting caught up in all the hype that surrounds running and growing a business online. I could see people getting anxious and overwhelmed by all the things they were supposed to be doing. Things like setting up elaborate sales funnels, hiring VAs or outsourcing social media, or yes, finding a way to scale their business. I had an inside look at successful small businesses. I knew that what was really making the difference between the success they were enjoying and the frustration that everyone else was feeling was not whatever the hype of the moment was. Now, unfortunately, 
It's the hype that rises to the surface in public venues like Facebook or Instagram. It's the sexy headlines that get clicks. It's the get-rich-quick ideas that gather the most momentum. I wanted to create a place where we could really talk about what works and how it's often the simplest things. I also wanted entrepreneurs to have a place to go where they could bounce their ideas off people who cared, where they could learn from others' successes and failures, where they could find solutions to problems they hadn't even dealt with yet. That place, that's the What Works Network. If you love what we talk about here on the What Works Podcast, the What Works Network is for you. If you love the kind of people we feature here on the podcast, you can meet more of them inside the What Works Network. If you love the way we leave space for you to find what works for you, you'll find it inside the What Works Network. We're accepting new members at the What Works Network right now for just a short time. When you join us, you'll have access to our private network of seasoned small business owners who want to talk about what really matters and what really works. You'll also get access to our monthly flash masterminds, our insider hours, and our monthly roundtable discussions. Plus, you'll get access to this month's virtual conference all about scaling up. Find out more about the What Works Network by going to explorewhatworks.com slash network. That's explorewhatworks.com slash network. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the wrapping your head around it piece <laughs> because, um, <laughs> you know, and you've heard me say this before, but um, there is that mantra out there in the online business world and the solo entrepreneurship world that is only you can do what you can do. Right. And I, it sounds like maybe this process, the, the wrapping your head around it piece that happened for you in 2018 was realizing that there is someone else that can do what you do. Uh, can you talk us through how your mindset shifted around that? Yes. And so, and and here's what was interesting about it is that I knew that there, of course, out of the seven plus billion people in the <laughs> world, there are certainly other people who can do what I do. I have no, I have no illusions about that, but it was thinking about, so there was like, there's a couple of situations when you first start a business kind of in this online marketing, online entrepreneur space, it's very much about you as the person mm -hmm. when you're first starting because you're leveraging your relationships, your network, and that's natural. And so when people heard me on my podcast or heard me on other podcasts or saw me somewhere, they wanted to hire Carol Cox because that's who they knew was the person who did this work. So I had to shift a lot into, no, you're going to hire speaking your brand because speaking your brand has a process that's going to get you the end result that you want for your speaking and your business. So I had to start shifting the language that I used on my podcast from saying I, so when I work with you, when you know, we work together to we, as in speaking your brand is a company that you're hiring. And so that, you know, that was kind of like the practical stuff, shifting the language on the podcast and on the website. But really, I think the biggest mind shift, sh mindset shift was the this idea of non-attachment. Because mm. I've been thinking about this a lot. So I've studied Buddhism for probably seven or eight years, not heavily, but, you know, I read books and as a way of life and kind of understanding our human psyche. And I realized that this idea of non-attachment, it's not non-attachment in the sense of, of what the client's 
the how they experience working with us because I care very deeply about that. But it's non-attachment to me doing the client work. Yes. And literally once that shift happened for me last fall, I was like, okay, we're going in now. Like I'm ready to hire a coach because it's, I don't, it, my identity is not tied in to the one doing the client work. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this non-attachment thing because I have literally thought about this in the exact same way before <laughs> as a religion <laughs> nerd. That probably is not surprising. Yes. Um, true. <laughs> and so I totally agree with this idea of non-attachment being really key. And I love that you pointed out that it's not about not being attached to giving your clients a great experience or not caring that your clients have a great experience. From my perspective, there's also a piece of non-attachment around not being attached to your customers or, or clients' results. Because I think that when we are the ones delivering services, we think we can force results or control results for our clients, even though the truth is that we can't. We think that we can. And one of the mental leaps we can't make when it comes to having someone else work with our clients is that, well, they're not going to control those results in the same way that I do. Is that part of this for you? Do you have like an experience or or does that resonate with you? Yes. And as a reforming, not yet reformed people pleaser, <laughs> you know, yeah, I want I want my clients to take what we've done and to and to get amazing results for their speaking in their business. I want that. But I do recognize that what and this is why I, I like that we have this framework, this pro, this very mm-hmm. tangible process we put our clients through because I know with what without a doubt that we're going to get to that end product from that the clients will get that from working with us. So I guarantee that we're going to have your, you, you will have your completed signature talk by the time that you're done working with us. And so that is the result that I can guarantee. Now I can't guarantee that they're going to take that and go make a certain amount of money mm-hmm. from speaking or that they're going to get a certain number of leads from doing that, or they're going to get invited to certain, I, obviously no one can control that. They can't even control that. <laughs> you know, there's so many other factors there. So that's, but that's what has made hiring another coach and then hiring future coaches down the line easier is because it's the process that we're guaranteeing, not what comes, not what comes later on. I love that. Preach. Okay. So just because you wrap your head around hiring someone else and letting them work with your clients does not mean that there are not fears that you are contending with in that process. So, what kinds of fears or what were you afraid of um, as you were thinking about and then going on to actually train someone to work with your clients? Yeah. So, there's a couple of things. The first thing is where am I going to find someone? who understands enough about speaking and business and marketing and all of these things who I can, who can do what I, what we, we do here in the business. So I would have to find someone and train them. And I've been thinking, you know, liberal arts majors, Amen. Who have, who've done, right. Who've gone, cause that's what, that's what you've done. That's what I've done. There's a, they're like really great they have great skills, critical thinking, research, investigation. So for all you liberal arts majors, don't despair. There are plenty of cool things you can do out there. So it was figuring out how am I going to find this person, number one. And then number two is thinking, okay, so if I'm, if now on the podcast and on the website, prospective clients come and they see that they aren't necessarily going to work with me, are they just going to move on then? 
So am I going to potentially lose clients because, because of them working with, or they kind of like having to work with someone else and speaking your brand and not necessarily getting to work with me. So here's how I decided to approach this. I'll I'll start first with the, how people are going to work with the coach. And then I'll go back and and talk about how I found the coach that I have now. So what I decided was that I would have the new coach handle our single strategy sessions. So as I mentioned, we have the VIP days, that's like a half day. And that's our middle, kind of our middle priced offering. And then we have a higher priced offering for keynotes and TEDx talks because there's so much more time and labor intensive Mm -hmm. because they're so particular. And then our lower priced offering is a single strategy session. So 90 minutes. So we can work on your core message, review your existing presentation, things like that. So what I decided to do was have my new coach handle those single strategy sessions. Because of what I have found over the years is that those single strategy session clients are a completely different avatar from the VIP day clients. They don't ever upgrade from strategy sessions to the larger packages. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's fascinating. (laughs) It is, you would think, because, and here's why, the single strategy session clients are earlier in their business. Mm -hmm. So they're in their first year in their business. They need some guidance. They need some help, but they're not yet ready to invest in the higher priced offerings, which I totally understand. Mm-hmm. And they're not quite ready for that anyways. So they were different avatars. So I made it very clear. I ran a, a Valentine's, a Galentine's Day special in February and put it out there that single strategy sessions, running a sale, which I never run sales, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to test this and made it very clear that you would do this with the new coach. So the strategy session would not be with me. It would be with the new coach. And I sold 10 of them nice. in a matter of a day, <laughs> that, which, which was great. I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to test. And so now I had brought the new coach on to my podcast a few times at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. to let my listeners and to let my followers know, get to know her because coaching is an intimate process mm-hmm. and you want to get to know the person you're coaching with. So I had brought her on. So now we can, if you'd like, we can talk about how I found her. Yes, please. <laughs> Okay. So I, back last October, November, I was thinking, and people were telling me, you know, well, put together a job description, post it on indeed.com or the various job sites. And I'm thinking, well, and I've done that before, say to look for a graphic designer, I get deluged with a hundred responses. Most of them are not what I'm looking for. And I just didn't have the time or the bandwidth to go through all of that. So then I started thinking, well, let me look at my network, the people that I already know. And who would be someone that could fit what I'm looking for? And it just so happens that a very good friend of mine who I've known for 10 years, who lives here in Orlando with me, we taught together at the university where we teach. She has her own side business as well that she does coaching, but on a different topic. Oh, wow. So so we're not competitors. We're very much complimentary. She's been through my process because she's hired me <laughs> to help her with her signature talk. So she knew the framework because she had witnessed it on, on the client side. So I very intentionally started courting her <laughs> last December. So I started thinking, okay, so she already has, you know, she has her full-time job at the university teaching. She has the side business. Would she even be interested in doing this? So I started kind of, we started doing some CEO days together, like planning days in December for our, 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 our own businesses, our separate businesses. And so I was kind of talking to her about wanting to hire another coach. And then January came and I had put together a job description and I was like, 
you know, can you take a look at this job description and, and tell me how it sounds before I post it? And so she, and of course I tailored it for her. <laughs> and so, and so she reads it over and she's like, yeah, this sounds great. I said, you know, I was talking to my husband about it and he said, this sounds exactly like Diane. And I said, you're right. And so she says to me, she's like, yeah, it does sound exactly like what I would uh, be perfect for. I said, yeah. So are you interested? <laughs> <laughs> you are devious. I, no, not devious. It's about it's about like like lead, like leading, helping someone make a decision yeah. for their own on um, for themselves, but doing it in a way where they feel like they're very much wanted. And I wanted her. It's yeah. like a sales. It's like a sales conversation with someone. And so she was in 100, percent and she has been fantastic. So she's been she's been on board since February of this year, and I it. It, I say that is she's the closest thing to a clone that I could find of myself, but in all the good ways right. of me. <laughs> I love that. You know, honestly, I courted Shannon, our community manager, um, in very much the same way. I was a little more upfront uh, ahead of time, just because that was the that was the nature of of where we were at relationship wise. Of like that, I've got a job in mind, and I think you might be a perfect fit. Um, but definitely as the conversations evolved, it was sort of tailoring things a little bit more. It was leading in that direction a little bit more, making her feel wanted. I love how you described that. And I, I also love that you highlighted that this person came not just out of your network, but literally out of your circle of friends. Um, because I think that people assume that finding someone to fill a role like this is going to be really difficult. And what I've found over and over and over again, not only for myself, but also, um, you know, with so many clients and, and colleagues over the years is that these hires are already very close to us. Um, and that while that may not last forever, and it may not be true of every single position you hire for, um, and there are plenty of reasons why you wouldn't want to choose someone you already know also, like if you're looking to diversify your team, as you should be. But um, most of the time, I think those hires are easier to make than we imagine them to be. And so I'm just, I, I love that that was the experience that you had. Yes, it's been great. And so she has, and she's been such an asset to have. And now, so right now, uh, well, as of the time that this episode airs, I will be kind of almost wrapping up our online group coaching program, which she and I have been co-facilitating together. It's a six month program that we're doing together. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I want to, uh, there, there was something you said about like, would she even want to do this? And I think that's a big fear that people have when they think about hiring other people to do what they do, because it's like, well, if they could do what I do, then wouldn't they have their own business doing that thing? What could I offer to them that would not, uh, that would be better than them going into business for themselves doing this exact thing. Did you have that kind of um, outlook or, or fear? And if so, how did you get past that? And, wh and what did you do to make the, the offer compelling? Yeah, so, you know, there's entrepreneurship is not easy. Right. And I think so and when you first start your business as a solopreneur, you truly are doing your craft for the most part. And, you know, you start, start with your relationships, your network, you find your clients and you're doing your craft. But as you start getting into year two, year three, you, at least my experience has been, I'm a salesperson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's really my primary role is visibility and sales. And so I think that there's, a, there are more people out there who truly love a craft 
love doing certain thing, coaching, consulting type services, and they don't want to be a salesperson or they don't want to be the person having to think about marketing campaigns and operations and putting together a podcast. And so they very much would love to just be able to plug in. I mean, think of there's plenty of people out there who go and work at companies. That's why, because they enjoy doing what they do, what they do, and they don't necessarily want to do all the other things around it. Now, as an entrepreneur in Tara, I'm sure you are similar to this. I actually enjoy doing all the other things right. as well, <laughs> which is why we, which is why we build businesses. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's talk a little bit now about how this hire has impacted your business. Oh, wait. Nope. That's not true. I have one other question about the hire specifically, which is, is she a contractor or an employee? So she is a contractor. And the way I decided to set it up was based on a certain number of hours per month. Okay. So I know some people have suggested, well, give her a certain percentage of a client that comes in. So whether it's a strategy session or a VIP day client, then doing that. And, but I, I decided not to go that route for really because of my own self, because I've thought that if I had a client come in and I was thinking, well, X amount is going to go away from the piggy bank, I'm going to be less incentivized to hand that client mm -hmm. off to her, I'm going to say, well, I can find a way to fit this person in my schedule. <laughs> and I probably would find a way, but that's ultimately not helping me or helping the business. So I decided to do a flat rate. So a monthly, monthly uh, payment mm -hmm. for a certain number of hours per month. Got so it. I was incentivized to give her clients that came in because I was paying her anyways. Brilliant. I love that you thought about the incentive piece for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it really is entirely for me. <laughs> so, so smart. Okay. Now to the operations piece here. Um, what kind of safeguards have you put in place to ensure that every client gets quality care, that you can fulfill that guarantee that you mentioned earlier, and so that everyone has as great an experience as if they were working with you directly? Yes. Well, again, I was very for fortunate with this first hire as my coach because I've known her for so long and I know her work ethic and I know the quality of work that she that she provides to her own clients and to the students at the university and all of that. I had no doubts that she would do an excellent job. But but as far as practical things, so after they have a session with her, and I know that because everything goes through acuity scheduling. Mm -hmm. So I get emails when people set up, you know, schedule things. So after they have a session, I send a personal email to that client, just checking in with them, asking them, how did their session go? And when we have a Google Drive folder that we create for every client that is shared with that client, and that has all of their session notes. So while we're on the Zoom sessions with them, we're taking notes if it's a strategy session. And if it's a, we're creating their signature talk, then we upload photos of their poster board and all of their materials are in there, plus audio recordings of the Zoom call. So there's everything is in there. So I will glance at the session notes just to see, well, what did they talk about? I'll include a little bit of that in that personal email. Well, I saw that you came up with your idea is going to be X, Y, Z, or you have a speaking engagement coming up in a month. How did everything go? You know, so I'll kind of, I'll make it personal. And I'm so far, every single person has written me back with glowing reviews about their experience. I mean, they said it was the best investment they ever made. She was fantastic. They, you know, I mean, just glowing reviews. So again, I feel very fortunate. 
with that. That's awesome. And you know, the other thing I love about that too, is that's a scalable process, right? You could hand that off to an admin person in the future to review notes, to write that personal follow-up email, to collect that feedback. It's great that it comes from you now. And that's, that's awesome, but it doesn't have to come from you. Oh, that's the non-attachment. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Um, And kind of as we start to wrap up here, you mentioned this a little bit, how you've started to use more we language and represent speaking your brand as um, a company as opposed to just you as a coach. Um, But I'm curious how starting to scale in this way has impacted the way you market and promote your business overall. Mm -hmm. So the language has been definitely the most important part of that. And, I, and when I started doing that at the beginning of 2019, the beginning of this year, I had some listeners say to me, oh, yes, we noticed this shift in your language. I'm like, oh, was it that obvious? But no. And so so that it definitely had an impact. But here's, I think, the biggest thing about having another coach here and having someone that I know I can I can count on to do to fulfill our clients is that I was able, as I mentioned earlier, to launch this group coaching program. I launched it in May of this year, May of 2019. And I hadn't run a group coaching program for over two years since early 2017 because I was so busy with one-on-one work and at capacity, I literally had no brain space Mm -hmm. to even think about what else I could do because I would just go from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., every day. And even though I loved it, it didn't give me room to think about the business. So now because I had uh, her on board February, March, April, I started to have the space to think, okay, now what else can I do with the business? And that's where this new idea for this group coaching program came on, which is really a hybrid. We offer one-on-one calls as part of it. It's it's part of the program. Because again, there's such a power with having one-on-one conversations with people about certain things that I feel it gets missed in a lot of group coaching programs and DIY courses. There are some certain topics that are good for, but when it comes to understanding your message and how you're articulating it, at least for right now, I haven't found a better way than one-on-one conversations. I love it. I love that, uh, you know, moving into a group program, you know, people I think think about that mostly in terms of leverage and scale. But another thing that having a group program does is it forces you to get clear on exactly what you offer. And not that you were not clear before, because clearly you were, but it puts, I think it draws a line in the sand in a different way than just saying this is the service that we provide. Um, And so not only are you able to serve more clients and involve this other coach in a new way, but you're also making a taking a stand for exactly what you do with your clients. Yeah, exactly. And now this is well, so here's what's interesting. So I did a kind of a mini launch, I would say, for mm-hmm. the end of April, early May, to leading into when the program started. I'm not a big launch person. I'm really a fly by the seat of my pants marketer. And so I didn't have a, but I started teasing it on my podcast about a month beforehand and things like that. But really actually having a launch with a defined start date to run a marketing campaign was really helpful for me because mm-hmm. doing one-on-one work where people can just sign on anytime mm-hmm at least for me, it was harder to wrap my head around how to do a marketing campaign around the one-on-one work. So now that I've done this, I can see other ways that I can do campaigns around that. But really, again, it was freeing up that mental, well, calendar space and mental space to get to this point where I could, I could do this. 
Awesome. Uh, well, Carol, this has been an absolutely incredible look behind the scenes of how you are scaling, speaking your brand. Um, what's next for you? What do you have up your sleeve for the rest of 2019? What are you excited about right now? Yeah. So definitely hiring and training another coach probably this fall. Well, I will be doing that and then running the the group program again in early 2020. I can't believe it's going to be 2020 <laughs> and not that far away. And then I've also have had some interest in people who want to be speaking coaches or their other types of coaches and they want to use our framework and our process in their toolkit for their own clients. Mm-hmm. So I may run a training and certification program around that either in late 2019 or early 2020. And then here's, but here's another thing that's been interesting is that I've gotten just this year, several inquiries from companies that want corporate trainings on public speaking for their employees, the webinars. So not even necessarily in-person workshops. So that's another thing that I'm thinking of, because again, leveraging that scale, providing a service that these companies feel like they need, and then being able to take kind of what our proven model and deliver that to them versus just, you know, just taking random bits of information from the internet, which is what a lot of training companies end up doing. Well, fantastic. Carol, I am so excited for you and all the amazing things you have coming up. And I am so grateful that you shared how your mindset has evolved, how the business has evolved and what it's really taken to be able to scale, uh, by training someone else to do what you do. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Tara. It's been a pleasure. Find out more about Carol Cox and Speaking Your Brand at speakingyourbrand.com. And you can find the Speaking Your Brand podcast wherever you listen to what works. Check out episode 122, where I share what's working for me on social media. Remember, if you want more conversations about what really matters when it comes to growing a successful small business, the What Works Network is now open to new members. When you join now, you get access to our day-long live virtual conference on scaling up on September 26th. Join us by going to explorewhatworks.com slash network. That's explorewhatworks.com slash network. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 230 more candid conversations with small business owners at explorewhatworks.com.